Welcome to the College Prep Genius Radio Show, where we can answer all your questions about getting college for free. Today, your host is Jean Burke, the author of College Prep Genius, The No-Brainer Way to SAT Success, and you can find her at collegeprepgenius.com. And I'm the moderator, Felice Gerwitz. Welcome. Welcome, everyone, to College Prep Genius Podcast. Today, we have Jean Burke on the line, and the topic today is the checklist for college. This is for ninth and 10th graders. We did an 11th and 12th grader podcast that's out there, and I will have that show link here um, in the show notes. So if you want today's show notes, go to Checklist for College. Look for 9th and 10th grade, and this is episode 83. You can find the show notes at collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast. Welcome, Jean, and I'm going to let you have it and sit back, and then I'll be back at the end. Well, this is exciting today uh, because I think one of the biggest questions that I get on Prepare for College is, I don't know what to do and when to do it. And so this series that we're going through, hopefully, no matter where you're at or where your child's at, you can have information that's going to really help them. So even if you're at the, you know, feeling like you're at the end of the line, even as a senior, don't worry. Again, listen to that 11th and 12th grade series that we did. And I think that's really going to give you some really good information. Today, we're going to be talking about the 9th and 10th grade or the freshman, sophomore years. And I think when, as we're getting our kids prepared for college, first of all, we need to start off knowing some kind of some lingo and that is well-rounded versus angular it's probably a couple of terms you've heard thrown around when you're getting ready for college and what that actually means and what we want for our kids um, is to to know the right the right direction angular is where a student is someone who's really really good in one area they've really excelled uh, they've focused their entire life on it uh, but it's very limiting and well-rounded is where your student does well in a lot of different areas. And colleges really are looking for well-roundedness because they find that that is a student that they, they know is probably going to be able to handle the, the college load, which can be very tough for a lot of students who aren't used to it, maybe breezing through high school and barely cracking a book. So as we said before, you know, the, the way it stands right now, by the end of the freshman year of college, 25% have already dropped out. And by the end of the sophomore year, 50% have dropped out. And when it's all said and done, about a third actually will graduate. Now, these admissions counselors who admit students and who give scholarship money, they don't have a crystal ball. They, they can't see that, you're, that hopefully that your child is going to be that one third that's actually going to graduate. But what they can see and look at is the past. And by looking at the past, they can see that your child is, has a really good chance of being one of those students who are successful because they know that the two main reasons why students drop out of college is, number one, the finances, and number two, the workload. A lot of kids aren't used to getting out of class and spending six or seven hours studying per class per day. So I'm going to talk about today how your student can be well-rounded. And Admissions counselors, what they do is they are looking for what they call great applicants. Great is an acronym, G-R-E-A-T. And I want to break that down 
what that actually means. And this is so this is how you can be preparing your ninth and your tenth graders. Now be specific on certain grades, but if you've got a ninth or tenth grader, you know, both this is gonna to apply to both. Uh, the G is your grades or your GPA, R is ranking, E is experiences, A is activities, and T are test scores. So I'm gonna break those down for you. So let's get to the G, the, the grades, the GPA. And you know, if you're not sure quite what weighted versus unweighted means, uh, basically a typical regular GPA is, or unweighted is measured on a scale of zero to 4.0. So it, if a child, a student doesn't take a lot of difficult classes, uh, you know, then that's what you're more looking at. But if you're looking more into the weighted GPA, uh, it's where uh, schools have uh, the grade point average represents the student's academic accomplishments based on course difficulty. Rather than provide the same grade letter uh, GPA conversion, usually it's measured on a scale of zero to 5.0. And you know, it, it can go higher. I've seen I've, I've seen schools who've done you know even more uh, different than that. But uh, basically, uh, your AP classes translate more into a 5.0. Um, in a regular class, it would be more of a 4.0. Uh, so keep that in mind. Now, I, I do want to, to emphasize that if you have a student um, that doesn't have the best GPA, and, and believe it or not, homeschoolers don't test, they don't necessarily give every kid a 4.0. That's, that's a myth, you know, or, or test, you know, you know, we often, you know, keep taking and, and the classes until they get it right. But there's going to be students and maybe even, even in your classroom that uh, aren't going to have the best GPA, just because maybe they're going through a rough time, maybe they're lazy, maybe, you know, there's things difficult for them. So there's things that you can actually do to help overcome a bad GPA. And, and a lot of you who are listening, kids are in maybe a public or private school. So how do you do that? Well, the optional essay really can make a difference when it comes to, you know, overcoming the GPA. Certainly strong test scores can totally make up in many, many cases uh, for that, uh, that lower GPA than you really want. So keep, keep that in mind. And, and I think that if, if we can stay focused and finish strong, it, you know, that shows great improvement for our kids. All right, now let's talk about, uh, you know, when it comes to academics, if you're not sure of what your child should be taking, if you're a homeschool listening in right now, which most of you are, or maybe you've kind of been forced into some, to some sort of educating at home, then you need, a, a roadmap and we have a free one that you can download if you go to collegeprepgenius.com forward slash roadmap that's going to give you what's called the three-tier high school plan and what happens um on this on this roadmap so to speak is it's going to give you what most high schools use starting with the minimum program the recommended and the distinguished it's going to tell you how many credits you need whether you need four credits of english and four credits of math science and so forth. So you can use it as a guideline. And what I recommend, you know, I know that a lot of kids want to do the minimum, the minimum, which is somewhere around 23 credits, depending on the state you live in. But they just, I just want to get in, get in school and get out and be done with it. Well, the problem is that teenagers often change their minds. And I think you should shoot for the distinguished program. You know, have your child take the most rigorous courses that they can. If, even if they don't quite make that, they'll at least fall somewhere into the recommended plan. But, you know, you don't want your child to get to senior year and all of a sudden your son, who thought he's just going to be done with high school, says, hey, mom, I'm thinking about being an engineer. And you're going, oh, my gosh, I've got to find another science and another math somewhere. So, 
it's better to assume that they're going to change their mind, assume, you know, that, that, you know, that they need all the credits more than they think they do. So, so keep that in mind. Now, for ninth graders, and, and again, if you've got a 10th grader and you haven't done this, go ahead and do this too. I highly recommend downloading what's called the Common App. Now, the Common App is the main application that most colleges use. And, of course, there's their counterpart, the, the counterpart, the Coalition App. And I, I recommend that you download it, you know, get your ID set up for it, you know, your password and all that. Because what you can do is if you get started on it in ninth grade, uh, it helps to demystify and de-stress the process of completing a college application later on. Students can now set their ID up, their password, um, and fill in just some very basic information, which can be updated over time as they get closer to their senior year. They're not scrambling at the last minute trying to, to download it and fill it out. And, and again, they, one of the, the cool things about the Common App is they can effectively use it as a storage locker for all their important data and get familiar with the whole program. So. Keep that in mind. And, and another thing I, I, that I think about the Common App is great is you also want to download it and print it out and fill in the information, uh, but don't send it out anywhere. And why do you want to do that in ninth grade? Because you can figure out if there are any gaps in your child's education. If you're filling it out and realize that you need a foreign language, well, in ninth grade, you can say, okay, great. Well, let's, let's add that in. And of course, you can find out more information at commonapp.org. All right, let's talk about ranking the R in great. Well, college admissions counselors aren't, aren't interested so much in your GPA that you earn by snoozing your way through easy classes. They'd rather see a transcript full of tough classes. Well, a resume you know, full of involvement and personality and passion for life. But not all schools have this rank. So you, know, you might be ranked number one in your school, uh, but that doesn't mean anything because you know you might go to a very small school or somebody else might go to a very large school. But believe it or not, only 60% of high schools use ranking systems. And what are, wh why do they even do that? Well, rankings are used for college applications. It gives the college a, uh, kind of a, an idea of you know, how you compare to your classmates. Rank is often used for scholarships. You know, sometimes they, they require the applicants to have achieved a certain rank or percentile, sometimes in top 25, uh, to be you know, applicable for certain monies that they could get. It's also used for high school honors. Uh, graduating seniors who've achieved a certain rank, you know, maybe the top 10%, top 20%, you know, they, they're given you know, an honors, uh, an award for that. But let's talk about homeschoolers because you know, as a homeschooler, you know, your child is actually ranked number one, but they're also at the bottom of the class, if you think about it. So for a homeschooler, honestly, you can just put in there one of one or not applicable uh, because, like I said, most colleges are looking for more of a holistic approach. Now, I'll tell you what we have here in Texas. Now, I don't know about your state, uh, but in, in Texas, um, Tim Lambert of the THSC, the Texas Homeschool Coalition, um, went and got a bill passed. It's called the H-Bill 944, H-B-944. And what it states is, in the state of Texas, if you, if you are in the top 7% of your high school, no matter what high school you go to, you get automatic admittance into a Texas school. Well, that totally leaves the homeschoolers out. So when the bill was passed, it says that a high school student can 
be considered in the same ranking as everyone else based on their SAT score. So let's say, for example, if a student wanted to go to, and I'll just, just use an example of Texas A&M, which I don't know um, the numbers, so this is just an example, but let's say the top, the average SAT score for the top 7% of Texas schools uh, for A&M was 1100. Well, if you are a homeschooler and you score 1100, now you are considered the top 7%. So it's a great bill and it puts everybody on a level playing field. And, and again, also, if you're worried about ranking, again, your strong test scores can help overcome that as well. E for experiences. Now, these admissions counselors are looking to see what kind of load have you taken over the last few years along with, you know, doing well, uh, you know, in school. And so they're going to look at your leadership skills. They're going, you know, were you a part of an academic team such as a math or debate club? Uh, your art, maybe arts, maybe band, theater, dance. Were you on an athletic team? Did you did you participate in community service? Uh, were you did you have a part time job? Did you tutor some students? You know, did you were you in the honors program? And you know, honor, there's a lot of honors programs for homeschoolers at a Sigma Alpha National Homeschool Honor Society. You at a Sigma National Math Honor Society. The National Society of High School Seniors, uh, there's 4-H clubs, American Girls, Heritage Girls. I mean, there's a lot of programs that even as homeschoolers can, can participate to show that you know, they've been involved you know, in a lot of other outside experiences, clubs, you know, awards. And one of the things I want to tell you is about the three prestigious awards that very few people apply for, but they are very prestigious on your transcript. The first one, is the President's Volunteer Service Award. Now this award uh, is an award where you can actually start this as early as five years old. There's the bronze, the silver, and the gold. And this is based on volunteering and community service. And as my one friend says, you wanna look like a Latin dictator when you walk across that stage for graduation. You wanna have all these medals around your neck. And here are some ways that you can get those. And so this particular President Volunteer Service Award is based on how many hours that you participate volunteering and it's counted over a 12 month period. So what happens is once you reach certain awards, you get the presidential recognition, you get the certificate, the official medallion, a congratulatory letter from the president. Again, something that people don't even know about. Uh, to find out more, you can go to collegeprepgenius.com forward slash PSVA for Presidential Service, uh, Presidential Service Volunteer Award. Okay. Now, the second one is the Congressional Award. This is so prestigious that I can tell you a couple of fun stories that I've been told. I have more stories, but these are a couple that really stood out. And this particular award is where a student will set goals in four areas personal development, physical fitness, exploration, and volunteering. And what happens is once they have completed these, you know, these um, certain uh, milestones, um, they will get invited to Washington and receive this medal from Congress. You know, and you can do this as early as 14 up to age 23. The thing about this is that it's like being a, an Eagle Scout. 2% of Boy Scouts become Eagle Scouts. 
that means they did something that 98% of their peers could not do. So having that on your transcript is such a standout and impressive, you know, uh, feature to have that it makes these admissions counselors stand up and take notice. Well, I had a lady, um, one of my teachers, her name's Faye, she's in Houston. Her daughter received the congressional award and she was applying for college and she was being interviewed by the admissions counselor and he kind of was sitting back in his chair with his arms crossed and was really kind of not really paying a lot of attention because who was a homeschooler, you know, and all of a sudden she says, oh, and I received the congressional award. And this is what she told me. She said, he sat up in his chair, his total demeanor changed, and he said, you did what? He said, in all the years that I've been here at this school, I have never met one person who received this award. And it changed the trajectory of the whole interview and scholarships and all that. Another lady uh, contacted me actually via Facebook, and she said, you don't probably don't remember me, but I came and heard you speak at Abilene Christian University, and my daughter was a seventh grader, and you talked about the congressional award. My daughter signed up for it. She received it, but not only did she receive it, she was the first person in 13 years in our district that received it. So she received all kinds of media coverage, and she ultimately got basically a full ride to Texas Tech. So I say all that, that again, these are some things that your students, whether they're homeschool, public or private, probably are not being told about these that you can, you know, start doing right now. And then the last one I want to tell you about is called the Citizens, Citizenship Medal. Um, that is collegeprepgenius.com forward slash CM. And then the, the Congressional Award, collegeprepgenius.com forward slash CA. Now this, the American Citizenship Award um, is an honors program for students actually starting elementary, middle, or high school who has shown that their words and actions um, and pro their, that they have possess the qualities and characteristics we hope for to instill in our students for good citizenship. Now, it's basically you participate in community service, you show a positive attitude towards those around you, your school, your community, uh, and you really display this understanding of appreciation of civic responsibility. So possessing these strengths can earn you this award to add, again, another medallion around your neck and another way to show the admissions counselors that you can handle the college load because you've taken on things during the last few years that show that you're up for the challenge. All right, A, activities. Um, what's interesting when it comes to activities that you want to participate in to stand out, to impress the colleges and the admissions counselors, is you want to have activities in three areas, okay? A lot of people ask me, well, you know, all our activities are revolve, revolve around the church. Um, and that happens a lot, especially for people who are in the ministry. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But knowing what I know now and having met so many people over the years and learning from so many different people, I take information and I give it out so that you, you can have that. But you really want to show activities uh, in academia, in community service, and as well as personality. So an academic activity, something that showcases your passion something that makes a difference in the field that you plan on studying, something that you basically live and breathe on a daily basis. For example, maybe your desire is to be a journalist major. Well, then your activities could be working on the school paper. 
maybe your goal is to only be a doctor. Maybe so your activities could involve in volunteering at a hospital. And then your community service activity needs to be related to your cause, your personal, your personal development. Um, and, and again, you, the minimum community service you should be participating in is at least 70 hours. And, you know, getting around 200 is really what I feel is optimal to really stand out. And then the, what is the personality activity? That is basic, basically showcasing something special about you. Not, not necessarily academic, something all about you. If you love to paint, you know, uh, it could be something having to do with art or maybe even volunteering and helping younger students to learn how to draw or, or to do watercolor. Uh, and, and, and again, keep in mind too, you always want to be making sure that you are creating a, not only your four-year academic plan with your roadmap, but a four-year summer plan. That could be uh, something I'm going to go into more in a moment, but you know, your award, your volunteering, all these are so important. Volunteering, if you don't know where to get started, I mean, we can just look around our community and see all the needs, but there's some good websites to get you started. Uh, DoSomething.org, VolunteerMatch.org, uh, Cogito.org. Uh, but I really recommend that you create a spreadsheet when you're volunteering. This is going to go in your portfolio. And you keep a record of your, where you volunteered, how many hours you were there, uh, what, what were your duties, who was your supervisor, and then also make sure that you get a letter of recommendation from your supervisor on their letterhead. And in a lot of cases, you can even count driving time as volunteer work. So if you volunteer at the hospital and you drive 30 minutes there and then you drive 30 minutes back, then that hour can be counted in. Uh, so that really helps. Now, when it comes to the four-year summer plan, this is where we don't want to waste our summers. Uh, this is what separates the great from the good, the rock stars from the groupies. And th it's often said that those who don't work in the summer will only work for those who did. And so, and we're not talking about taking up the whole summer for academics because we want our kids to be kids. But it could be something like getting involved in some campus programs, not necessarily even the school that you're going to go to. There's a lot of free labs that you can get involved in. Doing some goal-related jobs or internships. Uh, getting involved in some enriching activities, uh, doing some independent studies or unaccredited classes. So, uh, again, this is a great way to add to your portfolio to make your students stand, uh, stand out. And then ultimately the T is test scores. Uh, your test scores actually can cover a multitude of sins. And what I mean by that is if your ranking's not that great or your GPA is low or you haven't had a lot of volunteering or, you know, uh, community service, this is what can, can make it for that because the test scores are the number one things that colleges look at to begin with because it levels the playing field uh, because they know that a 4.0 at one high school is not the same as another. You know, every school calculates their scores differently, so they have to have some fair way to compare all students. And so they use a test like an SAT or ACT. And the great thing is every college will take either one, so it doesn't matter which one you take. They're about the same, about 99% the same anyways. Uh, so keep that in mind. And, and basically, they're going to be used for college admittance as well as scholarship money. Now, again, it doesn't matter if you take an SAT or ACT because they'll convert the score if they prefer one over the other. And, and the bottom line comes down to these tests are beatable. They're just logic. They're testing your thinking skills, how well you can answer questions under pressure in a short amount of time because our thinking skills, critical thinking, is the only thing that we all have in common because we're all coming from different backgrounds, different schools, you know, different, uh, you know, 
testing environments, you know, so different states. And the problem is that the reason why most students don't do well is because you get somewhere around a minute per question. And you just logistically can't finish it on time. And this is why a lot of smart kids vomit. But bottom line is it takes a different skill set to beat these tests because the questions are purposely misleading and the wrong answers can be very tricky, very appealing, very easy to answer. Uh, but students can beat it. You know, I've, I've seen uh, students time and time again come in uh, just with all kinds of issues, uh, the lowest scores ever, and go up three, four, five, six hundred, even 700 points. We had a student from HSLDA, we are the official test prep from HSLDA, and we had a student who, like all the other students, they, they did take a baseline college board test before the program, and they take the same one in the end, and a student went up 700 points in eight weeks. So I've seen it happen. But to learn how to answer questions in 30 seconds or less is what's going to help you get through the test several times and be able to do very, very well. So, you know, how do you prepare for these tests? Well, number one, start early. I think if you've heard me say one thing a million times, it's you cannot get time back. And I am on this end of it where I meet the parents, I meet the students who come to me at the conferences or they call us or they email us. And in many cases, they're in tears because they have waited. They've done nothing to prepare. They're scrambling. And, and, and there's still help. I've seen you know, kids go up a, a high, high amount of points in a short amount of time. Um, but that's a lot of pressure to put on the kids. So make it a priority. You can start test prep early. We have sixth graders who even start test prep. Uh, you can even make an elective on your, on your transcript and ultimately find that it's going to help on other tests as well. So you're not wasting your time on just your SATs and ACTs, but it can, it can actually work on even post-grad tests and employment tests and the military tests and just, just a long list of them that we, we know it works on. But we, you know, and, and if right now, if you're listening to this in, in the time of COVID, then, you know, both the test companies, SAT and ACT, have COVID-19 updates on their website to let you know what tests are going on, who's administering them, and when. Uh, so, and if, you know, if, if in your area there are no tests being uh, offered, listen to my podcast, Testing in the Time of COVID, because there are alternatives that people don't know about. So I highly recommend that you go listen to that one. Uh, and, you know, certainly for your, you know, we're talking about uh, sophomores um, and freshmen. So for your sophomore, what I recommend is that they're taking the three tests, three SATs that you can get the answers back, which, was, which is the QAS service, which there's an October March and May and for a small fee you can get your booklet back a clean booklet back and get a detailed uh, description of your questions and answers and difficulty level if you're taking the ACT I recommend taking the December April and June one and you will get their and pay for their service which is called the TIR test information release and that you can also find out about um, you know again how they scored and what they need to work on their weaknesses so sophomores also should be taking the PSAT-10 and also the CLT-10, which I'll tell you more about in a moment. Um, and then the, for the ACT, you can take the ACT plan. Now, since some of you have sophomores, I do highly recommend that the summer after your sophomore year, so this, we're a few months away from that, uh, but if you've got a sophomore, make the summer 
the, your heaviest testing. Once you finish up the grade, treat it like a part-time job, really work on this test because the PSAT in the junior year is the one that counts for all the big scholarship money. So after the, spending all summer practicing, then take that August and October SAT right before the October PSAT. Now, let me, uh, if you've got a freshman, you should be taking the PSAT 8-9 and the CLT 8. And then maybe take maybe one SAT. Uh, again, you could do, use one of the QAS, QAS service time uh, dates, which is October, March, or May. And then again, same thing with the, um, the ACT. You can take the uh, one of the December, January, excuse me, December, April, or June tests. Because again, you can get back by that service, the TIR service, and get a little bit more details. Now, if you have a sophomore right now, or your freshman who will be a sophomore next year, let me tell you about a game changer. And that is the CLT-10, the classic learning test. You know I'm a big believer in it. I love this test. I love the company. I love everything about it. And for your sophomores, this is an alternative to the PSAT. This is the CLT partnered with the NAS, the National Association of Scholars. So the CLT is offered three, CLT 10 is offered three times a year. And here's the coolest thing. They take the highest score for scholarship money. So your student literally in the sophomore year can get a full ride to college based on the CLT 10 and take all three tests and, and they'll take the highest one. So you get three opportunities. Now, here's another cool thing. It's completely free. And you as a parent would proctor the test at home. Now, when the COVID hit, um, the CLT started, people started using CLT in lieu of SATs and ACTs for college entrance. And their enrollments have gone up a thousand percent steadily over the last few weeks and months. Uh, but for the CLT 10, if you are in the top 1%, that's going to get you that uh, scholar level and get you another $2,500 from the, from the company themselves. Now, it's totally free to take it, but they do give you an analytical report that's about $25. But you can get that, and I do recommend getting that, but you can get it for half price if you, when you go sign up for the CLT 10, which is partner ID, put in CPG for College Prep Genius, CPG 18, that will cut that price in half to about 12 bucks. So it's definitely, definitely worth it. So I, I do recommend it. Now on the CLT 10, they have the Distinguished Scholar, which uh, is the top person at the school. The Regional Scholar is based on where you live, the top 5%, and then the National Scholar uh, is that top 1%. So we have three dates coming up. Uh, there for the, CL, for the CLT uh, 10, October 20th, which, oh, that's tomorrow, uh, February 4th, and April 28th. So again, the cltexam.com is where you're gonna sign up, partner ID, CPG 18. Now, if you wanna know more about how to beat the CLT and more information just about the test in general, you can go to collegeprepgenius.com forward slash CLT. Now, there's not a lot of difference between, you know, your, as your ninth and 10th graders are starting to take these tests, when you're talking about SETs, ACTs, and CLTs, there's really very little difference between the content of the passages, being the writing and grammar section, the math, 
science is only on the ACT, but again, as I said before, you don't even need to know any science to do well in it, like SAT reading. But really the only biggest difference, because the crossover information can work on all three tests, is really the essays are different. That's pretty much the SAT is analytical, ACT is persuasive, and CLT has a literary response. But otherwise, strategies can work on all three tests. And, and again, the problem with the test is that you get very little per time per question. ACT, 30, 36 seconds to 52 to 60 seconds. SAT, you get anywhere from 47 to 75 to 86 seconds per question. And CLT, you get 52 to 60 to 68 seconds per question. So, uh, you know, again, the key is learning how to answer the questions quickly uh, and be, knowing the strategies and the patterns of the test. You know, a standardized test has standardized questions and standardized answers. And that's how you can beat it because you just learn the patterns. You don't study for the test, but you study the test themselves. So bottom line is, you know, as you got a ninth and 10th grader right now, you're thinking ahead, ultimately your SATs, ACTs, or even CLTs can determine where you get to go to college and who's going to pay. So whether you have a good test taker or a bad test taker, or that's how they presume themselves, anybody can do well because they're nothing more than logic tests. And if you're logically minded already or have a student who is, then for them, learning a few more little things can really put them over the top, gaining that test maturity as they start early. If you have the other student who considers themselves a bad test taker, uh, it's probably because they're not as logically minded naturally. It's not as intuitive to them. But logic is not a personality trait. It's a skill. So you can learn to think more logically. And for these rule followers, you know, who stress over everything and overthink everything, they need to start early so they can lessen that anxiety and learn how to beat the test. So these tests are beatable and, and ultimately your test scores are tied directly to your scholarship money because colleges get their national rankings based on test scores. So the higher the score, the more money you get. So just give you all kinds of perks based on that. Let, let me give you a, a couple examples just based on, these are colleges that give full tuition up to full ride plus even more perks than that. Uh, so for example, Alabama State has a presidential academic scholarship. So based on a 26 ACT or a 1240 ACT, um, they will give you full tuition or more. Now, again, there could be other factors, including like the GPA or whether you're in-state or out-state or more automatic or competitive. Uh, Georgia Southern has a 1906 scholarship based on a 25 ACT and a 1200 SAT. Uh, let me show you kind of a, a kind of a grading scale here. I'll give you a school called Liberty Christian, a lot of people are familiar with. If your student has a 28 ACT and a 1310 SAT, that gives them 5,500 a year. You bump that up just six points on your ACT or 220 on your SAT, and they'll give you complete full tuition. All right, Utah State. You, they'll start you out 1350 for just one year if you've got a 21 ACT or 1060 SAT. But you go up a few points and they'll give you everything paid for. University of Mississippi, a 25 ACT and a 1200 SAT will get you $1,500. Go up just seven points on your ACT to 32 or 250 points on your SAT to, to 1450 and they'll give you almost $24,000, from $1,500 to $24,000. So your test scores 
are the key factor on getting that money. And by the way, 250 points is an average that my students go up the first time through our program. You know, we've had kids go up even more. So it's, it's definitely doable. And like I said, you know, we can teach you how to cut your time in half. We show you why the right answers are right, why the wrong ones are wrong, how you can get your scores as much as 700 points or ACTs nine points uh, based on just learning how to, to take the test. And, and, you know, don't take my word for it. Go online. Read independent reviews. You know, we've won, won a lot of awards. Um, Kathy Deppy has a complete review on her website that you can go read about us. I think the biggest thing is to remember is that as you get older, as students get older, they get more, they get busier, they get more responsibilities, a job, sports, uh, you know, school, more homework, and their opportunities start to decrease. So timing can be the killer of opportunities. And so learning test taking skills can be applied on so many different tests. I don't have time to go over all the tests that people have used our program on and, and excelled because most standardized tests are all similar. They have one objective, indisputable answer and several distractors. So by learning that, you can learn to take the skills of learning how to beat the SAT and ACT and CLP and use them on the GRE or the LSAT or the FBI test or CPA test or real estate or Hobby Lobby or civil service. Again, these are just some feedback that we've gotten from family over the years of how they use our program. So yes, test prep is an investment, but you pay now or you pay later exponentially. And you don't want your kids strapped with 20 years of college debt. So we've been blessed to pivot to online virtual boot camps. You can, you can go on our website. We have three-day boot camps online virtually. We have eight-week classes depending on your student, which would fit them better. We, uh, we also have online e-courses and, you know, eventually we do want to return back to our live in-person classes, you know, as we wind down from this, you know, quarantine lockdown uh, situation that we've all been in. So uh, I hope this has helped you with your ninth and 10th graders to give them an edge to start them out, uh, to realize that there are things that you can be doing right now for them that will set them up for their future success to where getting into college. Uh, will be something that's attainable as well as getting scholarship money to pay for it. So if you have any questions, certainly, you know, get a hold of us, email us, call us, and we would love to um, answer any, any, any questions that you have. Uh, you can email us at info at collegeprepgenius.com. You can go on our website. We have more information, lots of po uh, podcasts. We have lots uh, in this program. We also have lots of articles that you can read. So, Thank you so much, and uh, hopefully this has helped you get your freshman and sophomore year, off, sophomore year students off to a good start. Wonderful, wonderful, Jane. So uh, for those of you listening, um, many of those links that Jane talked about uh, will also be in the show notes, and you can find the show notes for today and this audio at Checklist for College, 9th and 10th grade, and this is episode 83, and you can find the show notes at collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Jean. It was awesome. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for listening to the College Prep Genius radio show. You can find more episodes at collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast or listen on iTunes, on your favorite podcast app, on your phone, on your computer, or on the go. Remember, visit collegeprepgenius.com 
for more information, and we'll see you soon.